You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our examination of the Battle of Uhud, which was one of the very critical battles of Islam. And for us, the followers of Ahlul Bayt, this battle is extremely critical because it really sheds light on the types of companions the Prophet has. Today, if you examine other schools of thought, the common understanding is that all the companions in the end were good, they were just. We are to follow all of them. They are an authority in religious matters. So any hadith from them, any incident that we can take from their life has religious weight in our lives. And sometimes maybe they made some small mistakes here and there, but in the end they were overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly good and they were just adil, adalat al-sahaba. This is something that for centuries other schools of thought have fiercely you know, held on to. We examined previously what happened at the Battle of Uhud and how the Prophet was disobeyed. Those people who were on the side of the mountain, they left their posts, they started running after the spoils of war. Khalid ibn al-Walid along with 200 horsemen, he came from that side of the mountain, he made a surprise attack and that's where the chaos started. Before we examine some other events that happened after the Muslims suffered a big defeat in those moments, I want to share with you verses in the Holy Quran about Uhud that criticize the companions. And I want to have an academic discussion with you on these verses about these companions. Can we say that all companions were good people to be followed? Or the Quran tells us, no, there are two types of companions, good companions, and bad companions basically. So let's look at Surah Ali Imran, you know verses 151 and the verses after that which talk about the battle of Uhud. Allah states in Surah Ali Imran, وَلَقَدْ صَدَقَكُمُ اللَّهُ وَعْدَهُ Allah had promised the Muslims and the Prophet had delivered that promise to them before Uhud that you will be victorious if you follow the Prophet. See, the promise of God was conditional. If you follow the instructions of Rasulullah you will achieve victorious. And Allah did deliver on His promise. Where? Because now Muslims had doubts after Uhud. What happened? Because they lost the battle. Really, it was a big defeat for them. They lost 70, 70 warriors. It was a big blow to them. So many of them were like, wait a minute, God promised us victory, where's the victory? Allah says, no, I delivered my promise. When Allah gave you the power to fight them and kill them and uproot them. When did that happen at Uhud? In the beginning. In the very beginning when Imam Ali and other companions, they were courageous, they killed the mushrikeen until the mushrikeen started fleeing the battlefield. Then what happened? This is Quran. Until what happened? You failed. The companions, the Quran says the companions are failures. 
It's not my words, the Quran's words. Until you failed, you started arguing. Remember on the uh, mountain they were arguing, should we stay, should we not stay? You disobeyed the Prophet after Allah showed you what you wanted, which is initial victory. Allah showed you initial victory. Why did you disobey the Prophet? God delivered His uh, promise. He delivered on His promise. Then the Quran beautifully in this verse tells us the two types of companions. Basically this verse summarizes the position of the Ahlul Bayt. The Quran says some of you companions want dunya, want the world, you don't care about religion, you don't care about the Akhirah and some of you want the Akhirah. How does a verse like this my dear brothers and sisters, how, did, how is it compatible with the idea that all companions are good? I don't, I don't understand. When the Quran says some of you want this world, some of you want the Akhirah. The Quran itself is dividing companions into two categories. And subhanallah, the Quran, when it's making this division, which one does it state first? Dunya. The, the companions of dunya before the companions of akhirah. Why? Allah says, think. Maybe there are more. Think. You know, usually you start with the good guys and then you go to the bad guys. The Quran does it the exact opposite. The Quran starts with those companions who followed the dunya. Because Allah is inviting us to think. Then in the end of the verse, وَلَقَدْ عَفَى عَنْكُمْ Let's discuss the statement here. Because the other schools of thought, they're like, look, whatever they did, inshallah, was disbelief. Let it be shirk. In the end, the Quran says, Allah forgave you. So I don't care what they did. In the end, they're all forgiven by Allah. ثُمَّ عَفَى عَنْكُمْ وَاللَّهُ ذُو فَضْلٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Okay. What does عَفَى عَنْكُمْ mean? No, they didn't punish them. So that, that doesn't mean they forgive them. That's the key answer here. And Sunni Mufassirs have stated this by the way. This is not just from the Shia. Look at Tafsir al-Tabari. He mentions this. What is the, answer? the answer is the following. The, the companions let down the Prophet on that day to the point where he was physically attacked as we shall see. He was physically hurt. And the reason why they suffered such a big defeat is because of their clear disobedience of the Prophet. When Allah gave them all these victories at Badr, at other times, Allah delivered on His promise. Now in those critical moments, they betrayed Rasulullah What did they deserve from God? Punishment. Allah had every right to destroy those people who did this to the Prophet. Imagine because they fled the battlefield, the Prophet's forehead was broken, his teeth was broken, his lips were cut. This is a big thing. How can you see Rasulullah being attacked and you flee? You look at him and you flee from the battlefield? That's a huge sin. The Quran considers fleeing the battlefield. In other verses, a huge sin. This is called Al-Firar Min Al-Zahf. A huge sin that you should be punished for. So they really deserved worldly, worldly punishment for Allah to destroy them for what they did to the Prophet. But Allah says, I pardoned you. That means I did not punish you. It doesn't mean you're good. No. I'll give you another example. When the Prophet ﷺ was given the victory by Allah, he entered Mecca on the conquest of Mecca. What did he do to all those mushrikeen who had blood on their hands? 
He pardoned them. Does that mean they turned angels overnight? Abu Sufyan became an angel because the Prophet pardoned him? No, the Prophet pardoning them means they deserve to be executed for their crimes. The Prophet says, Khalas, I'm not going to execute you. Go, you're free. Does that mean they're good people that you should follow and take your religion from? Of course not. If a judge looks at a criminal and he tells him, look, you deserve the death penalty, but go, leave, I'm going to forgive you. Does that mean you're a good person? That means I'm not going to execute the punishment. Leave, go, get out of here. Doesn't mean you're good, or go people, go pray behind him, go get your religion from him, no. So these verses that state Allah pardoned them, in no way is it an indication that Allah fully accepted their Iman and they're good people and they died with Iman. There is no indication. It just means Allah did not punish them. Why did He not punish them? In honor of Rasulullah. Because in the end they are His companions. And Allah wanted to honor the Prophet to show the barakah and the blessings of the Prophet because the Quran says, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ And Allah would not punish your people when you're present, Ya Rasulullah. So the reason why Allah pardoned them, not because they were good, because of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the key point here, yes. That was the key answer there because the previous nations were obliterated, exactly. When they made violations like that, Allah would send divine punishment, except the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Because he has such a great status in the eyes of Allah, Allah would not send the punishment on the companions or his people in Mecca, to honor Rasulullah. That's really the key answer, why God forgave them. Not because they were good, because their leader was amazing. <laughs> That's the real answer here. Otherwise, if Allah completely forgave them and basically they're good people, they're righteous in the eyes of God, why does the Quran continue rebuking them? See Allah says in this verse He pardoned them, but in the next verses in Surah Ali Imran, I'll share them with you, Allah gives them a scathing criticism. He destroys them really. In fact, he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you flipped back on your heels. Well, why? Why do that? If you forgave them, khalas, you forgave them, they're good, they're good people, they're righteous people. If someone comes and he repents and he changes, he really changes, do you continue rebuking him for what he did? No, it's over. But if you continue rebuking him for what he did, it means he still hasn't repented. So the pardoning that came from you is just not punishing them. Not that they're really good people now. That's a hint from the Holy Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ الْغَمِّ أَمَنَةً نُعَاسًا يَغْشَى طَائِفَةً مِنْكُمْ Basically after the defeat on the day of Uhud, at night the Muslims were split into two groups. That night, the day after the battle at night. One group were those who really felt regretful. Why did we abandon Rasulullah? And they didn't know what Abu Sufyan is going to do the next day because there were rumors that the army of Abu Sufyan is empowered so next day they're going to come and ransack Medina which didn't happen of course, they went back to Mecca but there were those rumors. So at night the Muslims were on the edge. We've already suffered heavy casualties, God knows what will happen tomorrow. One group repented really, they're like what we did was wrong, we violated the Prophet, tomorrow we'll fight even if it means we die, we will die. Those group of people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them sleep peacefully. That group of Muslims they slept peacefully till the morning because Allah wanted to honor them for their good intention, so they slept peacefully. 
But another group of companions, the hypocrites, on that night, they were scared to death. What will happen tomorrow? Abu Sufyan might come and attack us. He might ransack Medina. What do we do? What do we do? They were obsessed with themselves. These are the words of the Quran. They only care about themselves. They don't care about the Prophet. They don't care about Islam. These are companions by the way, not aliens, companions. Allahu Akbar. Look at these, look at the statement from the Quran. Their thoughts, the way they see Allah is like the Jahilis, how they saw Allah. Were the Jahilis believers or no? What were the Jahilis before Islam? Mushrikeen disbelievers. What is this Quran saying about these companions? You, you say. I don't need to say it. Same as Muslims. Same as those Jahilis. Same. The Quran is making this judgment, not me. Just like the people of Jahiliyyah. By the way, the people of Jahiliyyah sometimes would accuse Allah of lying. They would say God lies, He doesn't deliver on His promises. That's the same exact thing these companions said that night. God promised that we'll win the battle of Uhud. We didn't. God's lying. These are companions and I follow every companion. I get my deen from every companion. When the Quran is talking about the, the companions in such a way. Remember there's the good ones and we, we kiss their, the, the, the dust behind it, beneath their feet we kiss it and embrace it. But not those others. So basically the Quran continues to say, يُخْفُونَ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ مَا لَا يُبْدُونَ لَكَ Maybe publicly they don't say this to save face, but inside their hearts the Qur'an is testifying they have no Iman. And then look at verse 153 in Surah Ali Imran. See, here's the rebuke. Because the idea is if Allah forgave them, okay, no need to open the files as they say and expose them for what they did. But the Qur'an keeps attacking them. That means the afu that Allah made for them was just to not punish them, not that he really accepted them as righteous people. The Quran says, remember how you fled. You don't even look behind you and the Rasul is calling from behind you. Imagine Rasulullah calling on you, you don't turn your face back to look at him. What kind of a person do you have to be? Can you be a person of faith? By Allah, can you be a person of faith? When it's not like you stand before the Prophet and you're hesitant. No, 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 you don't look back. And this is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the Quran. As a result of what you did, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he, he revealed distress and sadness in your heart. And that's why you lost the battle that day because of what you did. So there are a number of verses over here that really tell us about some of these companions. And then the Quran is very clear that the shaitan played with them. In verse 155 of Surah Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, you know, the battle of Uhud, the translation of the verse, those of you who ran away on the day, when the two armies met, Jam'an, they must have been seduced by shaitan. These are the words of the Holy Quran. So the companions are not immune from shaitan. 
and he made them deviate and cause you know um, such havoc and then in another verse which is verse 144 in that same surah the Holy Quran says وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلِ Because there were rumors that the Prophet died in the battle of Uhud. So the Quran says Muhammad is a Prophet just like previous Prophets. If he dies or is killed, انقلبتم على عقابكم You fall back on your heels, meaning you turn away from Islam. You turn away from Islam. These are important verses in Surah Ali Imran, my dear brothers and sisters, that really tell us what types of companions did we have. There were the good companions and then there were those hypocrites. Yes. Um, just as a reminder, is that the incidents where Omar, he says, Arani Arkuruk al Arwa, was that in Ahud? He talks about he was running away from the battle like a goat in a mountain. I don't exactly remember when he said that, but yes, it, someone said it in the battle of Uhud, yes, yes. In fact, if you remember uh, Anas, uh, the uncle of Anas ibn Malik, uh, he says, I saw Umar ibn al-Khattab and some others and I told them that this is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Why are you sitting there not doing anything? And basically, you know, they told him, you know, we've heard that the Prophet has been killed, what's the point? So yes, it's very likely that he started running away, running away like that. In fact, historians say Uthman ibn Affan, he was one of those who ran away and fled the battlefield. To the point, some of them, they showed up after three days. And when the Prophet met them, he told them, you took it a little bit too far. <laughs> you know, You took them, you took it too far. Okay, you want to flee, flee a few hours, three days. Some of them reached the Red Sea. Some of them in their fleeing, they reached the Red Sea because they didn't know what was going on. They thought Abu Sufyan's going to conquer Medina. They reached the Red Sea and they, they came back. So yes, unfortunately that did happen. He was amongst those who fled.